Please go ahead and take out your Bibles if you don't already have them out and turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. It had been approximately 400 years, give or take, since God's people had heard so much as a lone prophetic peep from their all-powerful God in heaven. About 400 years, give or take. Decades had come and gone. Generations had been born, lived, and passed away. Families had been founded, flourished, and then faded into the dusty pages of Jewish history. Entire centuries had surfaced, been spent, sped by, all in utter silence from and without another word of prophecy from the great God of the universe. Up until that is, God suddenly sent his angels to proclaim that the time for the fulfillment of all of his prophetic promises had finally come. In Matthew chapter 1, God sent his angel to Joseph in a dream and announced how Mary, his betrothed, would give birth to Emmanuel, God with us. And you'll recall from Luke chapter 1 verses 26 through 35 how the angel Gabriel had come to Mary in that passage and told her how she was going to give birth to this prophesied Messiah and how he would be born to establish and govern over a kingdom that would never ever end. This would be the kingdom that God had promised would come during the days of the Roman Empire way, way back in Daniel chapter 2, verses 40 through 44. And so, the Messiah is born, raised to adulthood, and in his first recorded words in Matthew, after his baptism and temptation... Jesus said in Matthew 4.17, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The first recorded words we have from Jesus, this Messiah, is that the kingdom is right on the verge of occurring. And then, in Matthew chapter 5, we have Jesus' first recorded public sermon in the New Testament. You know, we have a saying in our language today, First things first. And what that means is, we're going to tell people the most important thing first. We're going, to, we're going to put it right out there, and if we're having a conversation, we're going to tell them the most important part of it right up front. Well, they did the same thing in Bible times. For example, in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, Paul wrote, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Paul said, I told you as a first importance, the, the, the first and most important thing I need you to know, I put it right out there first. Well, here's the question then. If you are the son of the living God, and your heavenly father has not sent a single prophetic word to his people for 400 or so years... And now you have come. 
And you have come to set the stage and give the instruction that you knew that people in this new earthly aspect of the kingdom that you were about to establish would most need to know. If you had come with this message that you knew these people needed to know about the kingdom in order to get into it, stay in it, and enjoy it, and eventually, therefore, to safely enjoy the heavenly aspect of it as well, what would that message be? What's the first thing that you would tell them? What Jesus told us first and foremost, right up front, in his first recorded public sermon in the New Testament, is what we commonly refer to as the Beatitudes. And as I think of that word Beatitude, I think of the word beautiful. And they are truly, truly beautiful. Matthew 5 and verse 1 says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and he, when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Here it is. You ready for the most important thing God's had to say in 400 years to these people? Here it comes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now that may not be what you or I would consider the most important thing to getting into the kingdom, to staying in the kingdom, to being happy in this earthly kingdom, and, and enjoying that transportation therefore to the heavenly kingdom. But godly wisdom, this was the first thing that we have. And it's about that kingdom. And the Greek word here for blessed or blessed is makarios. That word occurs 50, five, zero, 50 times in the New Testament. And what the word could also be translated as, as we've talked about a lot of times, is happy. Happy. But it's not that surface, fleeting, frivolous, momentary, silly, party hat sort of happiness that we so often connect with happiness. Today. That's not what I was talking about. This happiness, this blessedness, is more of a confident, contented, fulfilled, safe, secure, and unshakable peace and happiness. It is the kind of happiness, it is the kind of blessing, it is the kind of makarios, that Greek word makarios, blessedness, that only God can provide and that earthly man and circumstances simply cannot take away unless we allow them to. And that's the secret of being in the kingdom. Makarios, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are happy of those, are those people who realize that next to God they're nothing. That are bankrupt in spirit. That realize that they are worthless in, in, when it comes to being perfect. They can't do it. Blessed or makarios, happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And in the context here, it's talking about those who mourn because they're so sorry that they're so sinful. And, and they're so sorry that they're not as holy as they ought to be. And they're mourning over their, their sinful condition. Verse 5. Blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. The meek are those who, who are, are they're humbled by this state that they're in. It, it bothers them. It breaks their heart. And so what do they do? They become those who want to be better. And, and blessed and makarios, happy, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Listen. For they shall be filled. Did you see it? Those who do not hunger and thirst after righteousness will not get filled. 
Blessed or happy are those who hunger and thirst, who want God and who want God's word and who want this purity and they want to be right with God. You know why? You know why they're happy? Because God will fill them. That's why. And they depend on God and they are safe and content. They're happy. Blessed are the merciful. Happy are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You know what? You want to know who some of the most ugly people in the world are? And I'm not talking physically. It's those people that carry grudges around. Those grudges will eat you up like a spiritual cancer. Anger and bitterness and all of those things will eat you alive. You want to be truly happy? Happy are the merciful. Why? For they shall obtain mercy. Blessed or happy are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I'll tell you what, I want to be pure in heart. I want to see God. Do you want to see God? Happy are the pure in heart. Because they know what's coming. They know if they're pure in heart. They know if they continue to purify themselves in the sense of seeking God and doing what's right. They know that one day they will see God and that, that makes them so happy even in the worst of circumstances. And he goes on, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. There's no higher compliment you can get than to be called a son of God. And he said, if you're making peace, blessed, happy are the peacemakers, for you know who you are as a son of God. Blessed or happy are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You say, how can you be happy when people persecute you? Well, if they're persecuting you because you're doing what God wants you to do, you can be happy because you know that that's proof you're doing what God wants you to do. That's how you can be happy. Even when people say terrible things about you, verse 11, because you're a Christian. He says in verse 12, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets. You know what? If somebody says, Hey, you're this, that, and something else, just because you're a Christian, you go to church. If they say that because I'm doing what God told me to do, I can be happy in that because it's always been that way. I can look back to the Old Testament. That's what they've always done to God's servants. So if they're doing it to me, I can be happy because, hey, that makes me servant of God. You know, not proud, but, but I can be happy in it. And that's the idea here of Makarios. It is a confident, contented, safe, and secure happiness. Now, Jesus started off his public ministry in this way. Okay? And he went through his public ministry, and about three, three and a half years later, he was crucified. Decades passed. Everything we've covered in our Bible study on Revelation began to happen to his servants under the Emperor Domitian. And Jesus wanted his servants in the first century church to understand that they were blessed too, even though Domitian was persecuting them to death. And so, this word makarios, for happy or blessed, similarly occurs in the book of Revelation in what some have called the seven Beatitudes of Revelation. We don't often think of the Beatitudes in the book of Revelation. We don't often think of this, blessed are those who, or makarios, happy are those who do this, in the book of Revelation, but there are seven, there's that number again for completeness, there are seven Beatitudes in Revelation. Not only did Jesus begin his public ministry that way, he ended his prophetic ministry the same way. For those of you who have been here in the Sunday morning class, we have discussed at length the terrible tribulation and persecution that our first century brethren were undergoing. But the great God of the universe, the God whom we have celebrated this morning and sung to, that God, our God, 
wanted his people to have happiness or blessedness in spite of those things. And so he used this same word for Makarios, happiness, many times. Turn with me to the first of the seven Beatitudes, if I may, the seven, first of the seven occurrences of this same Greek word for happiness or blessedness in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, and verse 3. The seven blessed bees or Beatitudes of Revelation. First one, Revelation 1 and verse 3. Blessed, that's Makario. Same exact word you see in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed, or happy, contented, fulfilled, is who? Is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. Now, we understand from our study that when he says specifically in this text, the time is near, he's talking about the time is near when he is going to deliver them from Rome. We understand that. But by extension, we can apply this to ourselves, because although in this verse he's talking specifically about God's coming judgment on Domitian in the Roman Empire, it applies to us, because let's face it, none of us are getting any younger. If you're getting younger, raise your hand. I didn't say acting younger, I said getting younger. None of us are getting any younger, and the time for our departure is drawing closer every day. But despite the foes, and the fears, and the frailties, and the calamities that we may face as we get older each day, and we get closer to going home, despite those our peace and our joy and our comfort and our contentedness and our security and our lasting happiness, our Makarios state of blessedness can still be had if we hold on to God. Is that right? Can we be happy as we get more frail as long as we hold on to God and understand where we're going? Is that a blessing? That's exactly what, he, that, that's exactly what I want us to understand this morning. By reading and heeding and taking to heart and trusting the promises of God in Scripture, we will be blessed. But this isn't the only place it talks about that. Keep your finger here in Revelation. Turn with me for just a moment to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. What a blessing it is to know God, especially as our time draws near. Romans 15 couple of verses. Verse 4, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. And verse 13, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Is there an expiration date on that text? No. Can we still have that even when we have gray hair? Yes, we can. That is the first blessing that we see in the book of Revelation of the first beatitude. Turn with me to the second beatitude or blessed be in the book of Revelation in Revelation 14. Revelation chapter 14. 
verses 12 and 13. I had the privilege of reading these two, these two verses in Brother John Plummer's memorial service. Revelation 14, verse 12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed, there's our Makarios blessedness again, there's our happiness, there's our fulfillment, contentedness. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Blessed be those who die in the Lord. This confident and happy, blessed assurance only applies to those who die in the Lord. And we know, we know how we get into the Lord. We've discussed it on many occasions. The only place in the Bible, the only two places in the New Testament where the phrase into Christ occurs are Romans 6, 3 and 4 and Galatians 3, 26 and 7 where it says we have been baptized into Christ. That's how we get in Christ. That's how we get into Christ. And once we are in Christ, all of the blessings of Ephesians 1 and 2 are ours. Only if we're in Christ, only if we've gotten into Christ by being baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. And when we are thus in Christ and we continue to walk with him, we die in the Lord. Is that a blessing? Amen. Through hearing, heeding, and obeying the word of God when it comes to how to receive salvation, we are saved by his grace through our faith. When we hear what God wants us to do and we have faith enough to do it, Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9, we are saved that way specifically for the purpose of what? Doing good works, Ephesians 2 and verse 10. That's why we're saved in Christ, to do good works. I think we can safely say, based on this text here in Revelation 14, 12 and 13, that this blessing as we see it here, is only for those who choose to continually and selflessly pour themselves out in service and in doing good works to expand the kingdom at every opportunity. It is only they, based on this verse, who are going to experience this divine and ultimate level of confident, contented, fulfilled, and rewarded Makarios happiness. Just as the Apostle Paul wrote in Acts 20 and verse 35, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus that he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. There are two kinds of people in this world. There are givers. There are takers. Care to guess which group is overall the happiest? Well, unless Jesus lied, and he couldn't lie because he's God and God can't lie, blessed, happy, makarios are the givers for it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
Moving on to our third blessed statement or beatitude of Revelation. Revelation 16 in verse 15. Jesus says in, math, in Revelation 16 and verse 15, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed Makarios is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Jesus was going to come like a thief. And what that means is going to come at a time you do not expect. Going to come quickly at a very unanticipated time when you least expect him. We know from the scriptures in other places that Jesus said he would come like a thief in the night. You're not going to be prepared. Some aren't going to. They're not going to be ready. They're not going to be on guard. They're not going to be expecting him. We would see this in passages like 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 10, and 2 Peter 3, 10 through 13. We would even see this same wording right here in the book of Revelation. If you hold your finger here in Revelation 16, but go back to Revelation 3, verses 3 and 4, you will see what he said to the church of Christ in first century Sardis. He talks there about coming like a thief. He says in Revelation 3, 3 and 4, Remember therefore how you have received and heard, hold fast and repent. Therefore if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come to you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments. They shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. You got to be ready. He said, I'm coming. You don't know when I'm coming. I'm coming when you least expect it. He told the congregation there, he said, you got a few that are dressed and ready to go. They've not soiled their garments. They're ready. Last year, in the fall, Karen and I had the privilege of attending the marriage retreat that the Shoto Hills Church of Christ held. I believe it was early November, if I remember correctly, but that was on a Friday night and into Saturday. And so Karen and I decided that we needed a little break, so we left the night early. We left and went Thursday, and we stayed in a motel that night just to get away from everything. And somewhere around midnight, something happened that had never happened to us before. We've traveled quite a bit. It was close to midnight. And all of the sudden, a horrendous noise went off. The fire alarms in the building were set off. It's never happened to us before. We thought, mah, mah, mah. you know, it was it was earth, it was loud. Okay, like it's like that. Ah. So we're thinking, okay, this got to be a drill. This is you know they're pra I mean, smoke. You know what, what's going on? So. You know, we kind of get up and, and peek out into the hall, and there's people out there. Let me tell you, some of those people were not clothed and ready for the fire alarms to go off. We'll just leave it at that, okay? And so we go downstairs, because it's a fire alarm. People are going down, and so there's everybody coming, everybody's coming out of the rooms, and they're going down the stairs. Middle of the night, motel. Like I said, some of those people were not prepared for that. We'll just leave it at that. So we come down, and we go through the lobby, and the lobby's got all kinds of smoke in it, and we walk out into the parking lot, and some of those people shouldn't have been in the parking lot the way they were not prepared. But anyway, we're out in the parking lot and the fire truck comes and, you know, the, the firemen come in and there was some sort of problem in the lobby and it was just a lot of smoke. There really, I don't think was ever a fire, but there was a lot of smoke. But the bottom line is this. 
When we were back home on vacation a couple of weeks ago, we were in a motel room one night and we were getting ready to go to bed. And so Karen says, I've got my computer there because I've checked emails or something. She says, you going to pack that up just in case we have fire alarm at midnight tonight so we can be ready to take your computer with us when we go? And I said, yes. So packed every, I packed everything up and got ready. If that thing came like a thief in the night, I was taking my computer with me. But I had to be prepared. Blessed are those who are prepared. Revelation 16 and verse 15. Lest they walk naked and their shame is seen. Revelation 19 is our fourth beatitude or blessed statement. In Revelation 19 and verse 5 beginning it says this. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God and all you His servants. Remember I told you we were saved to serve, Ephesians 2 and verse 10. This is for only for those who are in Christ and become His servants. But look at the blessing. Praise our God, all of you His servants and those who fear Him, both small and great. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb is come and His wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. Watch this. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. We see this idea of serving again at every opportunity. The white linen is the service or the, the righteous acts of the saints. And then he said to me, right, blessed, makarios, happy, contented, fulfilled are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. Once again, in Revelation 19, 5 through 9, and particularly verse 9, we see the complete confidence and assurance, contentedness, happiness, safety, security, blessedness of those who have made themselves ready, of those who have been clothed with Christ, Galatians 3, 26 and 7, and have risen up out of the baptistry to become active, humble, active, and involved servants of God, His church, His body, his bride. As I read that, I'm reminded of the story in Matthew 22, verses 1 through 14, where there's a man that comes into the wedding feast and he's not clothed properly, and so he's thrown out where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What a contrast, and how grateful I am to be blessed and to have this blessing that is for those who are called to the marriage supper and are clothed in Christ. We would note our fifth. Instance of this in Revelation 20 and verse 6. Turn there if you would. Revelation 20 and verse 6. Our fifth occurrence of the word makarios or blessed. Blessed and holy. Don't forget that word holy. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now we know thousand just means forever. We understand that's not literal. But what I want us to see here, 
Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. The second death won't hurt them. Well, we know what the second death is from Revelation 20, verses 14 and 15. We know that if anyone's name was not found written in the Lamb's book of life, they're going to be cast into the fire. We understand that's the second death. But if we want to escape that second death, how do we do that? Well, we do that by our first death and resurrection. It's not talking about physical death. You want to escape being thrown into the fire? You want to escape that second death of not having your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Well, then you've got to under, have undergone the first death and the first resurrection. What is that? It's baptism. You put the old man of sin to death, and you're resurrected or raised up to walk in newness of life. At the point of your baptism, for the forgiveness of your sins... That is the first death. You put the old man of sin to death. You rise up to walk in newness of life. At that point, you belong to Christ. You've been baptized into Christ. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Romans 8 and verse 1. You cannot be condemned. You belong to Him. You become a Christian at that point. So guess what? Second death has no power over you. Because you've raised up, been raised up to walk in newness of life. What a blessing. What a blessing. The sixth of our seven beatitudes or blessings in the book of Revelation that use the word makarios is Revelation 22 in verse 7. Look what it says. Blessed be. He says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now again, that's speaking specifically about the book of Revelation. By extension, though, it still applies to us. Are we blessed if we keep the words of God? Can we have a happy, confident, safe, secure, contented, fulfilled joy in our lives, no matter what we face, if we're keeping God's word? Can we have that? Blessed be. This isn't the only place John himself even talks about that. Keep your finger here. Turn over with me to John 14. John 14. Verse 21. Jesus says, He who has my commandments and keeps them. Same thing he said in 22.7 of Revelation. Blessed is he who keeps the words. John 14 again. 21 and following, he who has my commands and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it you manifest yourself to us and not to the world? What's the difference between us and the world? Why would you come to us and not the world? Well, here's why. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him, and make our home with him. Isn't there a lot of blessing in that verse? But we've got to keep his word. That's what he says in Revelation 22.7. And finally, the seventh and final beatitude or blessed be statement. The book of Revelation is in Revelation 22 and verse 14. It says there, depending on your translation, Blessed are those safe, happy, contented, fulfilled, secure, are those who do His commandments. Why, John? 
that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. When I get to the point, God willing, that I do not pass from this life tragically in some unforeseen instantaneous accident on the highway or suffer some massive coronary, but should I get to the point where I am laying on my deathbed, as we put it, I cannot think of a greater blessing, a greater joy, a greater happiness than to know than to know that I have the right to the tree of life and I'm going to enter the gates into that city. How sad is it for a Christian for one who has obeyed the Lord, obeyed the gospel, kept his commandments, to get to that last point of their life when it may be simply days before they pass over. On top of everything else they're dealing with, to be in fear. What if I don't make it? God wants you to know that if you are in Christ and if you have done everything you can to walk in the light and to live for Him, His grace makes up the difference and you can be confident and blessed to know that He will take you home. There is no greater blessing. It's interesting that the King James and the New King James on Revelation 22 verse 14 say, Blessed are those who do His commandments. But other versions say something a little different than that, particularly the American Standard, English Standard, and perhaps some others. But it's actually contained in the footnote of the King James and the New King James. If you have a footnote in your King James where it says, Blessed are those who do His commandments... The footnote says, those who wash their robes. Some versions say, blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right. But the King James and the New King James say, do His commandments. means the same thing. Are we commanded to be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins? Yes or no? Yes. Are we commanded to wash our robes and get them white? Yes. So it's still obeying his commands. It's just obeying his specific command to wash our robes and make them white in the blood of the Lamb. And we know, of course, that's necessary. Look with me in Revelation 7 if we needed proof from somewhere else. Look with me in Revelation 7, beginning at verse 13. We know that it's essential, but let me just quickly remind us of this passage. Revelation 7, 13. One of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where do they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, and washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, for that very reason, because they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, for that reason and no other, because they have done that, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will dwell among them. 
They shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun will not strike them nor any heat, for the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. My question as we close this morning is this. Honestly, thoroughly, don't just think, okay, in five minutes we'll be free to leave the building. <laughs> Honestly, thoroughly, completely, the question is, do you as an individual have for sure that confident, fulfilled assurance that blessed Makarios happiness for sure according to the eternal word of God in your life even if you today find yourself where brother John Plummer found himself just one week ago today if you find yourself in that very situation today, and it is possible for any of us, myself included, if you do, and you are only hours left on this planet, do you, are you absolutely sure, and do you have that joy and confidence, that Makarios happiness? Have you heard, heeded, obeyed, and taken to heart the word of the living God in your life? Have you truly, according to God's word, washed your robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb by being baptized into Christ and clothing yourself with Christ in the waters of Christian baptism for the forgiveness of sins? And having had those robes made white, are you keeping them pure? Have you truly repented? Are you taking advantage of every opportunity you can to fulfill the purpose for which God saved you. and God didn't just save you because he wanted a bigger population in heaven. It's not the only reason. He saved us to do good works. Titus 2, 11 through 14, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. If the answer to any of those questions is, no, not really, not really, then true biblical blessedness is only one very short journey down this center aisle away. Please make that choice.